All right. Good morning, Christ Church. Good to be with you this morning. Good morning to all of you. Good morning to you in the upper room and to you following along online as well. I'm Pastor Andrew, one of the pastors here at Christ Church, and we are deep into our journey to Easter here at Christ Church. Uh, we sometimes refer to it as a Lenten journey. Lent is this ancient practice handed down from generation to generation of Christians where we give a special measure of attention, a special measure of spiritual discipline, a special measure of spiritual sensitivity to our faith walk as we draws close to remembering and celebrating Easter. And so we are doing that here at Christ Church, really trying to, as Anna mentioned before, spend time seeking to know and understand more fully this word mercy, seeking to know and understand more fully how mercy is related to our Heavenly Father, how He looks at us and treats us with mercy, and then how we, as His children, can become vehicles of mercy, conduits of His grace, His love in action, His mercy in this world. And so that's what we've been traveling and tracking on. Last week was a particularly fun and challenging one because we talked about mercy as related to difficult people. Uh, You guys remember that one? Yep, okay. You all rewatched it a couple times this week because you have undoubtedly struggled with difficult people in your life and what it means and how we as a Christian people treat and engage with difficult people and bring mercy into their lives is a challenging thing. Uh, We're going to take difficult people and go one further step this morning by differentiating between uh, difficult people and enemies. We're going to talk about and look at what does it mean to engage in a conversation right here and now around being and bringing mercy to those that we so quickly and easily name as enemies. It derives itself very quickly and easily. Jesus is pretty upfront about this. Uh, you might have heard his, his uh, words on this from Luke. He says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who hurt you. How many of you have read or heard this before? You guys heard this before? Okay, so many of you, if you are in your Christian walk, if you are a Christian, you have probably stumbled across this at one time or another. Uh, This is a topic we like to ignore a lot because it makes us uncomfortable because we don't really know how to do that. Uh, This is one that's challenging for us, uh, but it is vital and important and, in fact, happens all over the Scriptures again and again and again. If you are new to the Christian walk, if you are uh, not a Christian this morning, that's okay. Uh, The conversation might feel a little different for you. I'm going to ask you to bear with me. Uh, What we're going to talk about when we get into the conversations around enemies is level 200 stuff. We're going a little deeper. We're going a little heavier. We're going to be looking at and naming things that we don't often do when we talk about Christianity on a surface level. When we talk about enemies, intrinsically, we must begin to talk about the enemy. And that's what we're going to be doing this morning more carefully and closely. And so I have a caveat for you right up front, just total transparency. The conversation that we enter into, this is only one small sliver of a much more broad and expansive conversation. What we talk about as Christians when we begin to engage in a conversation around enemies, we have to be very careful. It has to be nuanced. And I can't do any of that in like 20 minutes on a Sunday morning for you, okay? But I'm going to do my best. 
And so I want to submit to you that as you hear this and as we engage with this this morning, it's not going to be a full and complete conversation, but it is going to be some highlights and important things for those of us who ascribe to the Christian faith. Okay? Now, it's important to begin by distinguishing and understanding this basic question. Who is my enemy? If I were to ask you that right here, right now, who is your enemy? Close your eyes and picture whatever that answer is. Who is your enemy? Okay, you got it? Now, hopefully, you are not picturing simply a difficult person, but a true and real enemy. Enemies we associate with pain and hardship on significant scales. That's why this conversation is so sensitive. Uh, Enemies bring about pain and frustration and hurt on ways that ripple through not only our lives, but in the lives of those around us and those that we love. Pain and suffering and hurt is a reality within our world, and we associate enemies with that level of significant pain and destruction. And so when we begin to engage in the conversation, asking the question, who is my enemy? I entreat you and ask you, don't just simply think back to last week about that coworker who gets on your nerves. We're talking about enemies. Enemies. See, the hard reality is we so quickly take the descriptor of enemies enemy, one who brings destruction and pain, and we apply it on a small scale to those around us that we find annoying and frustrating, to people, uh, people who are difficult. But we must be careful as Christians. We need not confuse people that we would describe as our enemies with the biblical framework of a much darker and more powerful reality at work in this world, the enemy. We cannot and must not confuse our enemies with the enemy. You've heard it perhaps said before that uh, your enemies are evil. You heard that before, like in a movie or in a book somewhere, like, hey, your enemy is evil. That's like an easy way to describe, like, the enemy. Flip that around this morning. It's not simply that your, e- your enemies are evil. According to our biblical witness in our Christian faith, evil is your enemy. It is not simply that enemies are evil. It is that evil itself is our enemy. It is God's enemy, and thus it is the enemy of God's people, us Christians. We do not minimize or shortchange the significant powers of destruction and pain in our world, but we readily step forward and call a thing what it is. We call evil what it is. Evil is our enemy. 
The Bible tries to talk about this in a number of places. Here's one example. Uh, it comes out of Ephesians. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and, put, uh, and His mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You see, this is a topic of conversation we don't like to get into as Christians. We don't know how to talk about the enemy. We don't know how to engage with it. We find it confusing. It's easier to simply sweep it under the rug and ignore it. But according to our Christian confessions, according to our faith... We do not shy away from naming the enemy for what it is. The enemy. There's a little old guy. uh, You guys hear me quote him all the time. Martin Luther, monk, 500 years ago lived. He would describe the enemy as sin, death, and the devil. Fair to say that sin is our enemy? It pushes us away from God. It creates distance between us and God. God has a desire and plans and purposes, and He works for goodwill in this world. And yet so often, sin enters our lives. We exhibit it, we follow it, we lean into it, we stumble into it. Sometimes we are victims of sin. We are victims of how others bring hurt and pain into our lives. Yet it is fair to say, on a whole large big picture, sin itself is our enemy. This inward curvature that keeps dragging us back to old habits, old ways, old addictions, old stuff. That is our enemy. And the death and destruction that it brings. Death. Fair to say death is an enemy? I don't know about y'all, but that's my enemy. (laughs) I have no interest If I could skip that part of the walk, I would. Just get me straight to the eternal life part. You know what I'm talking about? Death is real. And it brings destruction and pain into our lives. The lives of those around us. It is something that we seem to not be able to escape. And yet we as a Christian people observe and know death differently than the rest of the world. The rest of the world simply succumb to death and believe death is more powerful. And that's it. Game over. We as Christians step forward and name death as our enemy and as an enemy of God, whom God has engaged in warfare with, whom God has defeated in the person of Jesus Christ. But make no mistake, death is indeed an enemy. The devil, Satan, uh, the tempter, the adversary, the Bible talks about it in a bunch of different ways. Just wrap it all up in this big word, evil. And if I were to venture to guess, all of us in this building, all of us in this world, at least at one point or time or another in our lives, we have actually seen or witnessed evil. Like real evil. We've seen it on the news. We've seen it in people's lives, of those around us. We maybe have experienced evil tangibly ourselves in some 
really destructive, painful way. See, the first step in engaging in this conversation is simply to acknowledge there are, there are dark powers and forces in this world. And they're strong. And they're wrecking havoc. We as Christians aren't afraid to name that. There is power in naming something. And we are simply naming who our enemy really, truly, deeply is. Now, to the good news. <laughs> that is, this enemy who's loose in our world is God's enemy. And God has engaged in the battle and is fighting this enemy. Christ fights against, and through his ministry, his life, his death, and resurrection, seeks to undo the work and the activity of the enemy. Where God is for uh, life and hope, we see death. Yet Christ is willing to enter into death in order to defeat and swallow up death that we might have life. You see, in as much as we look at this world and we feel overwhelmed by the powers of darkness, how quickly, how easily do we feel totally distraught by watching the news, by talking with our friends? We're ready to give up. And yet God says, no, I'm not giving up. I will enter into this broken and dark world and take on that pain, take on that darkness, take on that enemy myself. And that is what he's done in the person of Jesus. He enters into this world to fight against the enemy. Christ submits himself to the powers of the enemy. The enemy seeks to kill him, does kill him. And yet even as he is dying, Christ's mercy continues to prove stronger and greater. Let me show you in the scriptures what I'm describing. Jesus himself talks about how this power of darkness is in the world and yet claims his strength over and against it. He describes it like this. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even, say it, stronger, stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. It's kind of funny because we never picture Jesus like this. Jesus, in this case, is the plunderer. He's the thief. He is the one stealing into the night to claim those who are lost in the darkness. He steps close into the house that we live in, this world that we live in. Rather than staying on the outskirts, he comes into it in order to tie up and defeat the strong man that for all intents and purposes, for our perspective, seems stronger than us. Yet Christ has proven stronger than death, stronger than sin, and stronger than the devil. He is stronger than sin, death, and the devil. This is what we proclaim this coming Easter. Read it again in 1 Corinthians. Another good example. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. 
That is to say that Christ has victory over all of the enemies, the enemy, temptation, sin, death, and the devil, destruction in our world. He has claimed victory in and of himself through his divine nature and power. And all we are waiting for as his people is that victory to be fully realized. Victory is assured. There are skirmishes happening all over. There are battles happening all over in our world. Darkness is still loose. But we as Christians proclaim that Christ has ultimate victory already secured, already won. It is now just a matter of bringing the enemy under his feet. Death will be the last and final enemy under his feet. So even as we acknowledge there's darkness in the world, we acknowledge as a Christian people that God and God's story, God's activity in this world, is greater than the enemy. That's why we preach and teach out of the Bible. It is story after story, testimony after testimony, life after life of examples of people who have experienced God's rescue from the darkness. God's healing when healing seemed impossible. God's comfort where grief seemed totally overwhelming and all-encompassing. God says, I love you and I pour out my mercy to you. And I will rescue you and deliver you from the powers of darkness that try to take over your life. I am greater. And my plans and my purposes and my work in this world will persevere beyond the enemy. So take comfort, take strength, for this Christ has entered our world. He is the light of the world. There's a beautiful verse in John, uh, the, lights, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness will not overcome it. The darkness cannot overcome it. It must not overcome it. Because light is greater than the enemy's darkness. So we as Christians, we acknowledge darkness, yes, but we do so. Holding and claiming to the mercy and grace of a greater God. Who is bigger and more powerful. I don't know whatever darkness you might be experiencing right now. You might be in the midst of that. You might have stuff in your life that's giving you the heebie-jeebies in some big way. You might see it in the life of somebody else around you. You definitely see it on the news. I guarantee you that. Whatever darkness that you are coming to see and know, know also this. Christ and his cross and his resurrection is greater still. He is stronger than the enemy. And so we hold on to him. We trust him. We put our faith in Christ. When our weakness seems too great, or sin seems like it's got too big a hold on us, where the chains just keep rattling around us, we remember things like Christ has come to set us free. We remember things like Christ has purposes and plans for our lives. We remember the heaven that he has secured for us. And so even against the darkness, we can stand up. Because Christ is fighting the darkness for us.
People often ask me uh, if I'll ever preach on Revelations. Come on, you all do it, right? You all want us to preach on Revelations? Come on, it's okay. You can admit it. Uh, very, very rarely do I take people in Revelations because it has to be rightfully understood and handled very, very carefully. But there's one beautiful chapter in Revelations that I actually uh, read regularly, personally, devotionally, um, because of the way that it brings me comfort uh, when I tackle this issue. Because sometimes in my life it feels like the enemy's too big. It feels like his work is too strong. And I, I feel like my hope just gets sucked away from me. You guys ever have that? You just get sink into this darkness because that's what darkness does. And yet I read there's a specific chapter where it describes Jesus Christ and it describes in this end times a, a rider on a white horse. And as the rider comes forward, there are all of the rider's people behind him. Rows upon rows of rows of people uh, dressed in white linen. And as they stand there behind the rider in the white, he, he looks out and sees all of the enemy, evil itself, all amassed against him. And in that moment, I picture this, this moment where I, I figure all of the, all the people in white, we're going to like charge and run down the hill, right? It's kind of like the, the good on one side, the bad on the other, right? Not the case, actually. It's beautiful. Christ, the rider on the white horse, is the only one who truly steps forward and engages in the battle. He's the only one strong enough. And strong enough, he is. By his mere words, he is able to cast down all the darkness out in front of him. And we, as his people, witness this and testify and point. And we say, holy, holy, holy is that guy. Powerful and mighty is that one. For he has defeated the power of evil in this world that we could not defeat ourselves. I look forward to that day when that happens in a way that's even beyond my understanding. I don't know what it's going to quite look like yet. But I can already feel that I can stand up and say, Holy is Christ, for he fights the evil one. And he is greater still than the enemy I have. Okay, that said, now we get to the question about our enemies, the people in our life that seem to bring evil, the people in our life that seem to drag us towards evil, uh, the people in our life that bring evil and pain into our life. Evil itself is not reconcilable with God and God's people and his plans and his purposes. Ain't going to happen. No reconciliation, no coming together of evil and God. Not happening. But people can be reconciled. In fact, I'm proof. You see, at one time in my life, I can step forward and say that so often I allow that power of darkness to take a hold of me and I do some really silly, stupid stuff. You ever done silly, stupid stuff before? Okay, you with me? That's happened. And in those moments, I actually kind of step under the control and influence of the evil one. And I'm doing these dumb, stupid things. And in doing that, I'm actually becoming an enemy of God. I become one of his enemies. And yet God, because he is stronger, has chosen to reach out in mercy 
to his enemies, not the enemy, but to his enemies, those who are under the influence and power of darkness, and bring reconciliation. He rescues us. When we stumble into that dark stuff, Jesus reaches out, he grabs a hold of us, and he starts dragging us back to himself. You ever been dragged by your feet back to Jesus? Uh Uh-huh. Yes, that's the way it works. We have this tendency to wander over to the darkness. And Jesus keeps, he's got the shepherd hook. You guys know what I'm talking about, the shepherd hook? We call Jesus the good shepherd. Part of the reason I think we call him the good shepherd is because he's really good at hooking us and pulling us back. He just keeps doing that over and over again because he's so adamant about spending life with us, bringing healing and hope to us, restoration eternity to us. His love is so great for us that in his mercy he reaches out to his enemies. You can read it here. For since in our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will be certainly to be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Through Jesus Those who were once enemies with God have been reconciled to God. That's us. Therefore, Christ in his boldness can say, as he's dying on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I mean, you want to talk about mercy for your enemies? Boom. It's right there. It is where your enemies are literally under the powers of darkness crucifying you. And in that moment, to proclaim mercy and grace and compassion and forgiveness. And that is what Christ has proclaimed over you. You are forgiven, you are loved, and you are claimed by the powerful God, by Jesus Christ. Therefore, as Christ has done that, exhibiting and bringing about mercy into our lives, he now challenges us to bring mercy into the lives of others. You've heard that the law says, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you in that way. You'll be acting as the true children of your Father in heaven. That is to say, when we can see the enemy for who the enemy is, we can begin to love and bring mercy into the lives of people who just tend to stumble and wander that way. We can be vessels of God's mercy into their lives. I find that it is easier to display mercy to people who have hurt us, people who have brought pain into our lives, when we remember who the real, main, ultimate enemy is. And when we remember that God is ultimately the greatest power. And even though we're in this struggle, even though there's darkness still in the world, even though victory is secured one day, but not yet, we can now be vessels of His mercy to those who, like us, have fallen into dark moments of life. It is easier to be merciful to our enemies when we remember who the enemy is, the real big main enemy, and we hold on to the God who is even stronger still. You might have heard this uh, cliche. We'll finish with this. Uh, Hate the sin, love the sinner. You guys ever heard that one before? You guys know that one? It's helpful. 
Um, it's not the full conversation. I told you that up front. There's nuances to this, but there's a measure of truth in this. That we can both be comforted and challenged. Comforted in that we ourselves as sinners have received God's love. Challenged that we now bring God's love into the lives of other sinners. Acknowledging hate exists, but that God's love and mercy is stronger. With that, let's close with prayer. Please pray with me. Gracious and eternal Father, we give you thanks that out of your abundant mercy for us, even though we were once enemies, you have reconciled us to yourself through the kindness and the compassion and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you so love us. You are so burdened with a desire to be with us that you would step into our dark world to rescue and empower, encourage and comfort us, to bring us life even after death. Lord, in our weakness, we are too weak for defeating the evil one. And yet you are greater. You are stronger. And so we cling to you. We hold fast to you and trust in your promises and in your deliverance. We trust that you are stronger still. As we walk through the rest of our weeks, Lord, I pray that those who hear this message, those who hear this message would know the enemy for who he is, And know your power, surpassing mercy and grace for who you are in the person of Jesus Christ. In doing so, may we be vessels of mercy to our enemies. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.